Welcome to Lesbian Moms, big adventures in queer parenting from two moms. I'm Lindsay. I'm Lana. And here we will share our highs and lows, laughs and cries, successes and mistakes, and everything in between on our journey as first-time parents. This week's episode is on traveling. Traveling with a newborn and infant. We call this episode Trains, Airplanes, and Automobiles. It's a famous movie, Lana. Planes, trains, and automobiles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So before we had the baby, when we were pregnant, we were trying to squeeze in a bunch of trips before the baby came. But then we also were already planning trips once the baby arrived. People had told us that traveling with a baby who at that point would be like three and a half, four months old is a pretty ideal time. Because they're not moving, they're not super active, and they're just really breastfeeding or, or bottle feeding. So it's kind of easy to travel at that point. We have two really good friends. They're a couple, Pat and Lil, shout out to them and their baby Ramona. And they were inspirational to us because they travel a ton and they continue to travel a lot once they had Ramona. I feel like we were really holding on, hoping that like that could be our scenario. This episode, we will kind of go over our tips and tricks and things that we have found really helpful to travel with an infant, things that we thought were not as helpful. And things we maybe wish we had done. Yeah. And we, you know, we're still traveling with her quite a bit. Traveling is definitely possible with an infant. I think it's just work. So it just depends on how much, you know, how much you want to put into that, how much you want to invest. Maybe our style of traveling has shifted a little bit. For sure. (laughs) But we are still able to go out and explore. And now I would say we can kind of see the benefit of all-inclusive resorts. Yeah. We were definitely haters. <laughs> and would always, like, stay at a little cool... B&B. B&B type place. But now, like, no, I can totally see why people with kids like to just post up somewhere all-inclusive yeah, with, with like a the... swim-up bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We were the kind of people that would be like, okay, we're going to go to Barcelona for four days, rent a car, drive down to Granada for a couple nights, and then drive down to like Sevilla. But with a baby, it's hard to keep changing, keep changing, keep changing. Although as I said that, I was just thinking about our big three-week trip, and we did did bounce around a lot. We did. What we did early on is we took two overnight trips, one when she was five weeks and one when she was 10 weeks. And these were just little trips that we did a couple hours away, car trips to kind of like just get used to like that experience. Packing up, traveling with a baby, car ride, and overnight somewhere that's not in our house. The first time we did it at five weeks, we were a little bit like, oh my God. I think everything with a baby is kind of about normalizing like a new sort of routine. So the first time you do it, the first couple times you do it, you're sort of like, oh, like, I don't know, like anything could happen. Like she could completely freak out or why I thought it was good to start with a little car trip where we were about an hour and a half away was like, if it goes to hell, we can just drive home. Yeah. But it didn't. So that was good. We were staying in like a hotel and... 
we were very much concerned because this was also during the witching hour, which you just heard about five weeks old. And it was still happening every night. But we just had to be like, we have a baby and she's with us. So we couldn't like get too stressed out about like, oh no, are the neighbors in the hotel going to hear? Of course, we like tried to not let her cry a ton and tried to soothe her. But that's just the reality as babies cry. When you're traveling, you have to have a little bit more grace with yourself and with your baby. Fran did a really good job, but there were some times when she would wake up more often in the middle of the night than she would at home. And you just kind of roll with it. You're sort of like, all right, let's not freak out like this is a regression. The people do say that actually like traveling can sometimes mess up baby's sleep. We did not have that experience, but she definitely doesn't sleep maybe as well. The older she's gotten, we've only really taken one overnight trip and she had a little bit harder time sleeping because she's more aware of her surroundings. So I feel like she would wake up in the night and be like, where am I? Yeah, she had a little bit harder time falling asleep than any of our other previous travels. Right. And that's also goes back to why a bunch of friends told us like the best time to travel with a baby is around the three or four month period because they're, you know, they're not super active and they're also still not quite aware of everything around them. They're still swaddled or our baby was still swaddled and they sleep a lot and it was pretty easy. So we did those two overnight trips at five weeks and 10 weeks. And then we did our big three-week trip when she was three and a half months. We essentially flew to Boston. So we flew cross country. We rented a car and we went to Cape Cod. And then we drove up to Vermont and visited various friends for about a whole nother week. And then we drove down to Brooklyn, New York, which was a six-hour drive from where we were in Vermont. I was so stressed out about this drive because I, it was the longest drive we would have ever done with her. and Still I, the longest drive we've done with it her. Is, yeah. And I knew we would have to like pull over to feed her. And that's a long time for her to be sitting in a car seat. I was so anxious and stressed out about it. Thank God. Like she really just took long naps. She took one like three hour nap. We stopped for like lunch, fed her, and then she went back to sleep and slept another another three, well, about two and a half. She started waking up as we were getting into New York City. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh my God. So, and then we were in Brooklyn for a few days and then we flew to Italy to where our friend was getting married in Sallow. Yep. Which that was the part of the trip that went really well and was great. But typically, if we were going to Italy for a week, I think we would have bounced around more. We would have done a multi-city trip. But because we were with her, we just posted up in this lakeside old town for the whole week, which actually ended up being so relaxing and so fun. It was also awesome that we were able to do all this traveling because you had time off of work. I was also like taking time to be with the newborn. So we had this luxury of time. I worked out my maternity leave schedule. I was doing two weeks on, two weeks off to kind of extend that time so that I could take a big chunk at the end. That's how dedicated we are to travel. Well, yeah. You were like, I'm never going to have this much time off again in my life. 
like we're taking a big trip. <laughs> yeah, I, I had initially been like, we're going to travel for two months. And Lana like you know, reeled it in and was like, no. But you wanted to travel even more than we did. You wanted to be taking a trip every other week. Like the two weeks you were off work, you wanted to be going. Well, as someone who has like worked like a desk job for over 10 years and then also I used to work at a bar and do like night job like shift work I feel like I was like this is an incredible opportunity because I'm gonna have all this time off that is relatively paid I should take advantage of it and we did but we also like had to be realistic yes so we're gonna go through some travel tips based off of different kind of scenarios travel tips by car I feel like the big thing with the car is normalizing the car. The first few weeks that we were with Fran, that she was here on this planet, she wasn't like amazing in the car. She wasn't bad, but you know, she would cry and she would get fussy. And I think we just did it more and more and more. And we would use some tools. There is this thing called womb sounds or any sort of pink noise. The womb sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like a heartbeat and whooshing. And we would just play that really loud and it would work. Like she would stop crying and kind of fall asleep. And then as she's gotten a little bit older, I think white noise still helps her a lot or like the sound of an ocean or sound of rain. But other things that have helped are these baby songs that I think initially we were so against, but we've totally converted to them. It's really just two songs, though. It's not like we're having a whole baby playlist. Baby Beluga by Rafi is just incredible. Yes, every time works like a charm. She's crying in the car, put on Baby Beluga on repeat, and we sing it to her, too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A new one that has been in the rotation for last month is The Happy Song by Imogene Heap. Well, the reason I found out about this is because I'm constantly bombarded with Instagram ads for anything baby related. And there was one that came up that was like, parents, save this song now. Screenshot this. (laughs) You must have this song for driving in the car with a crying baby. It works like magic. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I got suckered. And it really does work, though. And it is also really a little bit annoying because it gets stuck in your head and like I swear to god Lindsay and I are singing it in our sleep like every night yes (laughs) wake up singing it beep beep in the car (laughs) helicopter (laughs) a choo-choo train an aeroplane away down down the slide (laughs) okay (laughs) this is not this yeah, I read somewhere that it was like designed for babies and it really works. It it's does. it's wild. That and Baby Beluga. I'm sure there are others that other parents use, but those are the two that worked or still work really well for us. Yeah, if you have any, you know, hit us up, leave us the email. And the reason why I say the normalize the car rides is I feel like sometimes people will say, oh, my baby doesn't like the car, but they have only done two car rides. They only do it to the doctor's office and back or they're short. So I think if it's something that's really important to you, like I want to be able to take car trips with my baby. And I think you got to kind of like start it early. And obviously I do think all babies are different. Fran loves the car but maybe some babies would reject it but i think the more you do it the just 
And there was definitely a phase we went through with every single time we would put her in her stroller car seat. It was just blood curdling screams crying till we got moving like until the car got moving. Yeah. And this actually was happening when we were first with my parents on the Cape. Your mom was like, oh, what's wrong with her? Whoa, why is she upset? Like, oh my God, this is already so like deregulating us because she's screaming and crying. But like when other people are around, it like makes it worse. But also another thing that was super helpful with the car was timing it around her nap schedule. So that has been key because we will be like, oh, we're driving up to Point Reyes. We know it's an hour and a half. Well, that's actually perfect because her first nap is usually an hour and a half to two hours. So if we leave like around 9.30 or 10 when she usually takes her first nap, then we're like kind of golden. Yeah. And we still do that whenever we're going out or having a drive. It's always helpful to go like when she's going to be tired. It started to change a little bit now that she is seven months. We would be like, oh, we want to go out and have a glass of wine or we want to go and get a bite to eat. This is perfect. It's her nap time. So even if the drive was only 10 minutes to that place, then if she stayed in her stroller, I could kind of rock her as I like sipped on wine at the restaurant Mm -hmm. and she would snooze. And sometimes that 10 minute drive would be just long enough for her to like fall asleep. Okay, so those are our main tips for traveling in the car. Now we're going to get into tips for flying with a baby. This is actually just a comment that is for all the trips we've taken, but we've overpacked every time. Just be aware that there's so much gear when you have a baby. We were people that we like to travel with just a carry-on. Never check a bag. Yeah, never. Like, we want to be in and out. With a baby comes so much gear. Why do we need all of this? And I don't think we actually do. But when you're planning for a trip, especially like a long three-week trip, you're like, what if this happens? What if this happens? But we had so much stuff on that three-week trip that we had to pay extra. We did. Our bag was so heavy. (laughs) It was over 100 pounds. No, no, no. (laughs) It was over 50 pounds. Okay, so let's just give you some essentials. The pump, breast pump, bottles, the swaddle. Swaddles. Yeah, multiple swaddles. I mean, we brought too many swaddles. This is the thing. We brought too many clothes and too many swaddles. If you have access to a laundry, just don't bring that much. A play mat or blanket I thought was really helpful because in the airport or just going over to like different people's houses or in a hotel room, you could just put it out. That's like something for the baby to lay down on. We also had this really cool toy bar thing that had little toys that dangled and she was at the right age where she like lay on her back and play with these toys and it broke down to to sticks to sticks so it was perfect then obviously diapers and wipes and you can buy diapers where you go i would not rely on that then you're stressed out like i gotta get diapers diapers are also so expensive when you buy them at like a corner store or just a regular grocery store i would bring some diapers a stroller 
a carrier if you want to carry the baby, hand sanitizer, our pack and play. We had a travel bassinet. The stroller that we have is the Duna and it is incredible because not only is it lightweight, but it's also a car seat. But we also wanted to bring the car seat base. And that is why our bag was over 50 pounds. (laughs) And maybe we didn't need to bring the car seat base because you can buckle in the car seat. But just thinking, oh, it might just be safer for us to bring the base. And we were having a rental car for a while. So instead of having to strap her in every time, we could just pop her in and out quickly. But the things we didn't need were so many clothes... When we were flying, I had a travel boopy pillow for breastfeeding, and I also had this, like, little kind of privacy shawl thing, and I felt pinned and trapped, and I was, like, about to lose it. It was so annoying. So I would definitely say, don't mess with the boopy pillow. Like, on the longer flights, the airplanes have pillows you can use. The cover thing for privacy, that was fine. Well, I also think that Fran was still young enough that she wasn't getting distracted while she was eating. And if you just don't want people on the airplane staring at you with your tit out. (laughs) True. (laughs) But also, who cares? Yeah. Um, At some point, like, I was just like, I don't care. And now I don't care anywhere we go. I mean, Lana was struggling with the, you were struggling with the privacy shawl and the booby pillow. (laughs) draping around my neck, like choking me. You're holding the baby. It was bunchy. So some tips for flying that were very helpful for us were having the stroller. We found that having her go through security with the stroller actually meant that we got to cut lines. So it was kind of incredible. People would see us and be like, oh, over here. Maybe they would have done it if we just had the baby in a carrier. I'm not sure. But people were really accommodating. And then we flew out of various different airports. And some we just were like walking forever. You know, it'd be like the gate was like a mile away. And I think having the stroller was just super helpful because it was just easy to like slide. The biggest line we got to cut was at JFK. There, The line there was insane. I, I was like thinking it was like a three hour line. It was just wrapped around so many times. Yeah. And because we had the stroller and the baby, we got to get into a different line with like with airport workers, yeah. with flight crew, yeah. with other families, people with any sort of accessibility needs. And it cut the time. Breast milk can go through TSA. Oh, yeah. Hot tip. If you want to bring some breast milk on it's a liquid but they'll let it through if you let them know you have breast milk so one thing that everyone recommends including the pediatrician is to feed on takeoff and feed on landing it will help the baby adjust to the pressure change that can be really hard to time because sometimes planes taxi forever francis started crying at some point and i was like uh just could like feed her and she would stop crying but we're taxing still and i don't know if she's gonna like how long she will breastfeed but she she did all right yeah i think we should now tell them about how well she did so we (laughs) took (laughs) one five and a half hour flight from SFO to Boston. She didn't cry once on that. Our flight from JFK to Milan, she did cry on that one, but only for an hour. 
Of course, it was the first hour and we were freaking out. The flight attendant came over and was like, can I get you anything or something? And Francis was crying and I was like crying. We were having a meltdown. I was having a meltdown before we even boarded the plane. Well, the miraculous flight home from Milan to SFO that was 11 or 12 hours. She didn't cry once. 13 hours. I think what really helped us is she was breastfeeding a lot and we could feed her pretty much every hour and she was sleeping a ton. So she would kind of just like feed and sleep, feed and sleep. She wasn't really having like very long wake windows. Maybe there was something about flying or being in that situation. She was just kind of like sleepy. But this takes us to the next point, which is the travel bassinet that planes have. There's usually one per cabin, which is I did not know ridiculous. about this. Travel bassinet. It straps on to the back of the Bulk bulkhead. Head. So the bulkhead is like the front of each section. So there's like the first class or business class and then the main cabin. So it's that front seat where there's like a wall, usually bathrooms or something, or like right before the door to the plane. So there's no seats in front of you. And there's this little contraption that clips on to that wall and turns into a bassinet for the baby. The trick is, though, because there's only one, you either book those bulkhead seats and pay extra, or if you are the first ones at the gate and ask the flight attendants to request the bassinet, they will most likely be able to accommodate you, move you up to those those seats, and you'll get the bassinet. But if there's another baby on the plane and someone beats you, you're out of luck. So this, <laughs> this happened to us when we were flying to Italy. So we were at JFK. We were the first ones at our gate. We the were only so people early. There. And I said it to you. I said, do you think I should just stand up there? Like at, because there was, there no, was no one at the ticket counter. No one at, should I just stand up at the ticket counter? So I'm for sure the first one. And you were like, no, we don't need to do that. We were literally sitting right in front of the ticket counter. Well, then another baby shows up. And they stand right in front of them. Ticket counter. Yes, I went and I talked to them, but it, you know, it felt weird to be like we were here first. So I didn't say that. I just like I can't remember what I said, but I was like just asking them about their baby, and then they were like, "Yeah, we're trying to request the bassinet seat," and I was like, "Oh, us too." I was then sitting with Francis, just like stewing, rage building. <laughs> Once Lindsay told me that the other people had gotten the first request, a half an hour later, someone finally comes to the ticket counter an airline worker and they make their request first because they're first in line and then I go up and do the same request and she was really honest with me she was like you're not gonna get it there's only one in your cabin which is main cabin and the woman that was just here before you will get it it's first come first serve and I was like ah (laughs) I know and then Lindsay told me that and like Francis was also crying and like having a hard time and then we get on the flight and Francis is up 
upset. This is the only flight she cries on. But every time I went to the bathroom, I would pass by this woman who had the bassinet. Her baby was like sleeping, like super calm. Frances did end up sleeping on that flight in my lap. And it was like an eight hour flight. Yeah. And I did not get up once. I did not get up to pee. I didn't do anything. And Bladder of steel. Lindsay was like offering me the liquid. I was like, no, because like she was sleeping. I didn't want to wake her up. But that was maybe not the best move. And I was wearing shorts, which I never, ever do on a plane. One, I'm usually freezing. I have no idea why I was wearing shorts. We were in New York. It was yeah, super hot. it was hot. But I had like a blister on my leg from sitting on the like leather seat for so long. So the travel bassinet <laughs> is super awesome. We we did get it on our flight home from Italy to SFO. Thank God. But we booked a specific seat. We paid extra to get it. And it was worth all the money. It was incredible. And Francis slept that whole, that was the 13 hour ride. That's our hot tip for the bassinet. Those bassinets are only available on international flights, FYI. So another thing about international travel that you might not think about is the birth certificate slash passport. So you have to have the birth certificate to get the passport. Also, we wanted to have the birth certificate with us when we traveled because we had heard that sometimes when you're flying and have to go through customs that they'll want to see the birth certificate of the baby. And in California, like Lindsay and I were both on the birth certificate. Some states... I don't know if they let you do that or you have to like an adoption. adoption. Single parent adoption. But luckily in California, we're both able to be on the birth certificate. Yes. So I'm recognized as a parent. So we were like obsessed about getting the, bringing the birth certificate with us on this trip. And then somehow it was left behind. I forgot. Lindsay forgot it. I also (laughs) forgot our water bottles. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Two most important things. No, passports. Well, I had read some horror stories on Reddit, always a horror story place, about people that had traveled internationally, and this was not just same-sex couples, and had their baby passport but did not have the birth certificate and customs turned them away. And honestly, no one ever asked us yeah. for any sort of documentation. I mean... Besides our passport. A lot of places will be weird. If one parent is traveling with the baby, sometimes they like make there be like a signed letter from the other parent. The other parent is on the birth certificate. I just heard all these various stories. So I was really upset that I had forgotten the birth certificate. But our fabulous executive producer slash friend overnighted the birth certificate to us. Candice Magana. Yes, thank you. Saving the day. And then we didn't need it. Yeah. But we had it in case. To get a baby passport is just like jumping through a bunch of hoops, but you have to make an appointment at a U.S. post office to basically do the application in person with the baby. You also have to get photos of your baby, which is kind of ridiculous because, well, if you're trying to get one for a newborn, the baby is so little that taking a photograph of them is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they were telling us, we went when she was, I think, two weeks, and they were like, okay, her eyes need to be open and her arms down. Well, that is like absolutely impossible with a newborn. One, their eyes are never open, and then they also have wild arms. We always said that she was conducting an orchestra because 
her arms would just constantly be like moving around. But they ended up taking a hundred photos and just photoshopping an image together. And it looked super bizarre. I was like, will this photo pass? But the person at the Photoshop said, he was like, we do this all the time. They also asked for hair color and eye color on passports. And both of those things can change. And she was practically bald. So (laughs) I was like, this is a guess. Yeah, bald was not an option. (laughs) Yeah, I was so on top of this. I made her passport appointment the night that she was born in the hospital. I went on my phone and made it because it can be hard to get these appointments at passport agencies. And I actually made two of them. And I'm so glad I did at two different passport locations because one of them, they canceled the appointment the morning of the appointment. This is how dedicated Lindsay is to traveling. We also like we expedited everything and it still took six weeks, I think, to get it once we had that appointment. I was a little nervous that we weren't going to have it in time for our, we got it two weeks, I think, before we took off. So just FYI, if you're wanting to travel within the first few months of your baby being born, get on that passport appointment. One other thing I will just say about airplane travel, you can't quite veg out the way you would normally. I'm someone that when I'm on a long flight, I just like watch movies or listen to music and just am completely like a blob. But with a baby... You kind of, I remember being like a little frustrated. Like I was like, and and we had a good baby who was mostly sleeping. But, you know, it was kind of like, oh, I got to go change her diaper again. Oh, you know, like we got to kind of like try to play with her for five or 10 minutes. And I think it only gets harder as they get older. But, you know, you're kind of like, oh, my God, I have to entertain this little thing. Okay. <laughs> You don't think the same. No. You couldn't pee for eight hours on a plane. And that is the sacrifice I'm willing to make. (laughs) (laughs) But I will also say, if your baby does cry on the plane, who cares? I know it is so stressful and... I've been in like a chat with a bunch of moms about this. We have a lot of anxiety about traveling, worrying about if she cries, what are these people going to think? They're going to be sitting there just, oh, these people have a crying baby. These people are probably walking by us like, thank God I'm not sitting by the baby. Babies cry. People have headphones. They can tune out and like it is stressful, but it's also okay. So I just want to say, don't be too hard on yourself or your baby if the baby does cry when you travel. Our first flight, the woman that sat next to us was super sweet. Mm-hmm. She like immediately was, oh my gosh, a baby and like kind of gooing and guying over Francis. And she said, she was like, it's totally okay if she cries. Yeah. And I think it like made us feel a lot of relief. And I think that there are a lot of people on flights that do have sympathy and empathy that if you are traveling with a crying baby, they have maybe been there or they feel for you. So, But there's baby hitters for sure. We also used a sound machine a lot on our trips. Yes. We had these little portable ones that you charge and then they last for I think up to eight hours. And those were super helpful like all the time. We still use those anytime we're in the car and she's going down for a nap, put her sound machine on near her because then we don't have to listen to womb sounds 
throughout the whole car speakers. Yes. <laughs> the whole trip. <laughs> we can have conversation or listen to music and she will still have her like whooshing sounds near her. Uh, travel bassinet, super helpful. Or maybe just a travel pack and play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is a must unless the place you are traveling to has those. Travel pack and play is a crib, a portable crib. Yeah, I don't know why they call it a pack and play. Yeah. I was always curious about that, and then I realized, oh, they're just talking about a travel crib. But for some reason, they call it pack and play, I guess, because you're like, going on a trip, pack it up, let's go. (laughs) So a monitor is super important. We have two different kinds of monitors. We have one that we use here, which is like a video one at our house. But we have this VTech, like super old school kind of walkie-talkie one that we brought on our trip that was great. It only has sound. I think it will go about a thousand feet. Super easy. It's very lightweight. This is what we used when she was a newborn. When we would put her down in her bassinet, we could be in another part of the house and be able to hear her if she cried. It's also very helpful on trips for the same reason. But traveling internationally, we brought it and for some reason it did not like the like electrical exchange and it completely fried the things. Yeah, we were super upset. We were like, oh my god, no. It broke when we were in Italy at the hotel. Yeah, the outlets did not agree with it. And we had the converter, but some it got fried, like something happened. And so at first we were like, oh no, because when we had been traveling before, we had put the baby down and then we'd go. And so we were like, what are we going to do in this hotel? We were also staying in like a really like boutique hotel that was like kind of tiny but like every like it had a bar it had a restaurant it had a pool and everything was kind of close together and our monitor would have stretched the whole way of all those places but it actually led to a very creative solution so i realized that there's an app you can there's multiple apps you can download on your phone that basically are baby monitor apps and so if you have two phones one's the parent unit one's the baby unit and it works over wi-fi or over 5g connection So it was incredible because one of them would be in the room with Fran and then the other one would be with us at the pool or at dinner or down at the bar. Yeah. And it also has video, which came in very handy at the hotel because once someone came in the room, even though we had the like, do not disturb sign on the door. One of the hotel employees. Yeah. (laughs) A hotel employee came in and was like starting to clean the room we were like oh my god Lindsay like ran up to the room well this actually happened multiple times the hotel we stayed in well maybe it's just part of like Italian culture very hospitable they like had turned down service they I don't know they were just always coming in our room when we weren't there to like take out the trash or it was funny but so this was awesome and then we used this on a road trip we took just recently where that VTech monitored and stretched But because there was Wi-Fi, when the phone in the room would be connected when we were not in the room because they had Wi-Fi everywhere, it was perfect. And this is also super fun when your baby is this little because they nap a lot. So it'll be like, oh, put her down for another nap. Now we can go downstairs and take a swim. Yeah. Oh, a few hours later. Oh, she's ready for a nap again. Oh, oh, great. It's cocktail hour. (laughs) Let's go down and like have a Negroni. 
you know, because if not, you're kind of just stuck in the room with the baby. I, and I don't know, like, this is what we were comfortable with. I don't know if everyone would be. If she was to cry, we could be up there. We would be up there in like less than a minute. Yeah. But yeah, I, it worked out well. She also was a pretty good sleeper at this time. She had started sleeping really well. So we kind of knew, like, usually when she'd wake up, it wouldn't be a scream cry. She'd just be kind of like, cooing. Coo, 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 coo. I'd be like, okay, yeah, we. She's go. waking up. Let's go get her. Another thing that people have asked us about is the time change. How did we deal with that? Flying to the East Coast was three hour difference. And that was actually pretty easy. What we did is we just put her to bed later and she woke up later. So like the first night we were there, I think we put her to bed at like 1030. And then we just gradually like edged it back. Mm-hmm. And then when we were in Italy... It got a little bit more dicey. I think that was a six hour difference from New York. But I would say because we had gone to the East Coast and then we had scooched it over the course of a week back to like a more normal bedtime from 1030 to like seven ish, then the difference wasn't as harsh. And so again, we kind of just adjusted Mm -hmm. and put her to bed really late and then slowly started adjusting again. Yeah. And I think also because we were there for a wedding and there was like a welcome dinner and stuff like that. I think we were putting to, her to bed like around 11, 30, 12 a couple nights, but then she would sleep late. Which we did too, so it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Honestly, I would say that she handled the time change better than we did. I think also because baby sleeps so much at that point. Yeah. She woke up more during the night when we were in Italy and we were a little bit concerned about that, but we just kind of rolled with it. It goes back to what I was saying about like just having grace. Like I'm used to her only waking up once in the night. Oh, now she's waking up two or three times. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Also, luxurious thing about hotels is they often have blackout curtains. That was one thing we forgot to mention in your list. Oh, yeah, that's an essential. We have a portable blackout curtain that um, has suction cups that will connect to the window. And we brought it on our trip and it was super helpful because we had stayed at, you know, four or five different places. And some of, not all of them were hotels that had. Yeah, some just had giant windows. Blackout curtains, yeah. So that, I think being able to control the light in general is great for baby sleep no matter where you are, but especially if you're traveling with different time zones. And I've also heard other parents say that depending on where they travel to, they won't change their baby's sleep pattern like their baby will just go to bed a little bit later a little bit earlier and they'll just keep them on the same schedule some friends have a sleep pod which is like some crazy tent that you can zip up your baby in that is completely black out then they have no idea we haven't gone on that yet yeah but you know there's options out there Ooh, i think that that's pretty much all we got on travel tips and tricks If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. We're happy to share more or bring it up on a future podcast. Yeah, but don't be afraid to travel. Also, be easy on yourself and each other as you do. And maybe you are a parent that doesn't care that much about traveling. And like, why bother like deal with all the gear and all, you know, like some of the stress. Some people just decide, oh, I'm not going to travel till they're five or like, Big trips is what I'm saying. Well, and we can keep you updated because I think we went when traveling with babies is quite easy, but I think it gets more and more difficult as they become more active. Yeah, we do have a trip coming up in a few weeks where we're flying to Little Rock, Arkansas. God help us. 
to see Lana's family, but we'll see how she handles that now. She's a little bit more active. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Lesby Moms. Our executive producer is Candice Magania. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out with any questions or comments. We're at lesbmomspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's les with a Z, bmomspodcast at gmail.com. Live, laugh, lesbian. Lesbian.